right, and we're back for another episode of the Welcome uh, to the Angle of Pursuit podcast. Alongside me, as always, Dennis Dunbar at Lions Den NFL, and I'm Kyle Robert. You can find me on Twitter at NotoriousKRO. And we are pleased to uh, welcome our guest, Evan Silva. You can find Evan on Roto World. He's where he's their senior football editor. How you doing today, Evan? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Uh, excited to wrap football with you dudes. Definitely, definitely. We're gonna talk a little rookie. We're gonna talk a little dynasty, and see where this uh, see where this conversation goes. So I was on Roto World checking out your dynasty rankings. I saw your top forty just came out. Um, I want to talk a little running back. Saw so you had Todd Gurley at three, and you had Melvin Gordon at four. Uh, for you, is it pretty close, or, or where are you at with these two guys? I don't think it's particularly close. Um, I think that landing spot could render it you know, more close than it is right now. I know they're ranked three and four right there, which seems close on paper, but in terms of their skill sets, I don't think that they're particularly close. I think that Todd Gurley, assuming that he's at a hundred percent, and I think most indications to this point suggest he will be. Um, I think that he's, you know, a top five NFL running back year one. Um, I think that he's got that kind of ability. I think he, uh, you know, he can pass block, he can catch passes, he can run inside, he can run outside. I mean, he's he's got everything that you want, every attribute that you want uh, in an NFL RB. Uh, with Melvin Gordon, you know, he's he, he's he's a little bit of a boomer bust runner. I mean, there's a little bit of, you know, CJ2K to him, um, you know, and he, he had a lot of long runs in college. And long runs don't happen very often in the NFL. Uh, I think he has a a tendency to not be decisive. He will stop his feet uh, before the line of scrimmage a lot. That's a a no-no, you know, for for any football player, essentially. I mean, I remember even, you know, playing on the offensive line. They said, you know, when when I was young, you, you you never stopped moving your feet. And that is particularly the case for a running back. Uh, but, you know, um, he was able to get away with that in college. And he just has some bad habits that he'll uh, have to break. Um, he, you know, he, when, when he would often shuffle his feet behind the line when he wasn't stopping them. So just he, ha- he has a tendency to not be decisive, and that's a little bit concerning. He doesn't run with power. I think he's got plenty of long speed. His size is okay. Um and he's got work to do in the passing game. So I think that there's a pretty big differentiation between those two. But if Melvin Gordon goes to Dallas, you know, then he's going to be pretty, he's going to be pretty tough to resist. Yeah, definitely. So it sounds like Gurley has a lot, a lot more wiggle room where he could end up in a few more spots. And right. um, for you, is he, and even in redraft, is he, you know, borderline first rounder or where are you at with him uh, for redraft? Well, you know, it's it's obviously hard to say before we know the teams that these guys are going to be on. Yeah. Um, I know that, like, in MFL 10s, you can get Todd Gurley uh, in the fifth round, uh, which is a pretty nice value. But we're still at the stage where, and I know I said before that I think that indications point to him being healthy, but he, he did tear that ACL, or he had the surgery in November. Yeah. So that, that's somewhat late in the season. Um so I don't know. I, I, w- w- hopefully we'll get a better feel for his recovery uh, in training camp, and at that point we can make a more confident forecast about his redraft value. I do think that he's uh, he, he offers some value in the fifth and sixth rounds of like a best ball league. All right, all right. And then um, we'll continue through the running back class. Is there – is there anybody kind of in that next year that you're really excited about that if you ended up in a right, right situation or in a, a place where he's going to get the chance to carry the ball that you're, you'd think, wow, this guy could have a lot of value? Love Jay Ajayi's talent. Uh, and I think that the guy who gets downgraded for reasons other than his game a lot is TJ Yeldon. Uh, people have this sense that Alabama running backs are busts in the NFL. I don't think that's true. Um, if you look at, you know, the running backs that have come out, I mean, Trent Richardson didn't care, got fat, and then sucked. Uh, but, 
Eddie Lacy is a stud in the pros. Mark Ingram, I think, is a solid starter. Sean Alexander had a great career uh, in Seattle. Glenn Coffey was, I can't remember where he was drafted, but he was a mid to late round draft pick, and he, like, retired uh, after one season. But that doesn't, that doesn't you know, th- these things like Trent Richardson not caring about his football career and Glenn Coffey retiring, that's not an indication that TJ Yeldon is going to be a bust. Um, you know, I think that he's a big running back. Uh, he has incredible feet and foot quickness. Um, he reminds me a lot of Arian Foster. Um, another thing that he gets downgrading for is, is running upright. If you look at running backs in the NFL, um, you know, some of the greatest running backs in history ran upright. Eric Dickerson, DeMarco Murray right now runs upright. I think Le'Veon Bell to some extent runs upright. Um, you know, just we, we have these little odd little narratives that, um, you know, kind of cloud our mind and, and, you know, just create a lot of noise when we evaluate these guys. But if you look at if you watch T.J. Yeldon play, he has a lot of attributes that work in the NFL. Um, he can, um, you know, Greg Gosell has discussed how he gets uh, skinny through cracks. Um, he, you know, he, he can exploit very small little holes. I mean, you're not in the NFL, you're not always going to get big gaping holes to run through, you know? Um, so you, you got to get skinny through the cracks. Uh, the, the, the foot quickness really stands out to me. I think he is a good pass blocker. He, he's been pass blocking since he was a true freshman in a pro style offense for Nick Saban. I mean, I remember watching him as a freshman and they let him pass block as a true freshman. That was very, very impressive to me. Um, he will put guys on their butt in pass protection, and he can catch passes. Uh, I think that he will play early, and I think that he's very underrated. Yeah, the ability to pass block is something that keeps rookies off the field um, in their yep. first season. So, And then what about you, Dennis? Uh, any guys that stand out in that class? I think you're, a, you're pretty big on TJ Yeldon yourself. Yeah, just to go back to what Evan was saying about Gordon, it's finally good for me to hear someone confirm the same thing I was seeing. And, you know, I know when Wisconsin first hired Gary Anderson, who ran a spread, up-tempo offense, no huddle, one back, five wide, you know, at Utah State, I thought maybe Wisconsin would kind of transition to that or he would bring them to that, but he he hasn't. It's still been the old traditional, you know, pulling of the guard, two tight ends, multiple backs, power running scheme. And, you know, I know that's what they've recruited most of their talents for. But my concern with Gordon is, you know, that offense is so simple that it's made plotters like Monte Ball and James White thrive in that system. So I don't know how much to account for that when evaluating Gordon. And I'm not exactly sure how to account for that. So, you know, and I agree. I I seen Gordon look uncertain at times when the hole was clogged, and his immediate instincts were to bounce it outside. And you know, like Evan said, he got away with that in college. I I don't see him getting away with that in the NFL, where everyone's faster and bigger and stronger, and he's not the big man on campus, so to speak. Um, I do love some of his traits that I do think will translate fine to the NFL. Like he's got great balance. He's got top notch burst. And, you know, I could see it going either way with him. You know, he is the ultimate boomer bust. He can be an absolute stud, or I could see him in the backfield doing the shmoney dance like Trent Richardson trying to decide on a hole. So, I mean, I get the excitement. When I watch him, you see, you know, the electricity. It's it's thrilling. He's fun to watch. But, you know, I try to put it in context of what he's being asked to do and what he can do. And as far as Gurley, like, to me, he's like, in a galaxy of his own with when it comes to this running back class. And I can't help when I watch cutups of him, it just, I hear ludicrous in my head saying, move bitch, get out the way. And that's just what plays when he's running. And he's just a raging bull. He's really fun to watch. And, you know, I too am pretty fond of Yeldon and, you know, that stereotype of the Alabama running backs, you know, I don't believe in all that. And, you know, I try to look at each player as an individual, and I see nothing but good things from from um, Yeldon personally. And really, you can only say that Richardson has been a flop in the NFL to this point. I think Mark Ingram came on a lot last year and showed some of his potential, and Lacey's been doing pretty well in Green Bay. So, um, yeah, I'm right with you so far, Evan, on on everything you've said so far. 
Yeah, and I like Yeldon, and I think part of his problem is he, he split time. He split time last year with Eddie Lacy, and then he split time with uh, Derrick Henry. I mean, they got basically, you know, it was a two-back system in Alabama, so they didn't see one guy destroying uh, SEC defenses, they assume. Oh, and then at the next level, is not going to transition as well. Um, and there's a few good fits um, coming up in the draft where there's situations, whether it's Dallas, whether it's San Diego, whether it's Atlanta, that, you know, a running, rookie running back could have the ability to, to jump in right away and, and, and make some noise. Um, is there any other later round guys you guys are looking at? Maybe you, Dennis, you could start first. Uh, Buck Allen, Carlos Williams. I know you're a big Cameron Artist Payne guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, all those names, you know, you mentioned I could see being difference makers um, if given a shot. But, you know, I really like Cameron Artist Payne. He was very productive once he took the starting role after Trey Mason turned pro. And he led the SEC with 1,600 yards and 13 touchdowns. He's a small, compact runner, and he disappears behind a massive offensive line and then just, boom, pops out the daylight. Um, he has excellent, excellent lateral agility, and he has a knack for finding the creases, and he has decent power. Um, he always keeps his legs churning, which is one of my focal points when evaluating running running backs. I don't like to see a guy who quits or stops moving his feet once he makes contacts. And he cuts like a chainsaw, um, has excellent vision, and always keeps his eyes on the second level. He has a great feel for beating defenders by using their momentum against them, uh, plays with great field awareness, and I, I just think he made a career at Auburn exploiting the creases in defense, and he has that uh, that second level, that little jolt to get him to the second level, I should say. And he thrived in Auburn's up-tempo offense, which is a plus, considering how many NFL teams run a similar tempo and seem to be moving more toward that. Um, he's a bit – I've heard he's a bit older for a rookie. I've, I know me and you talked about this offline, Kyle. I've, I've heard – you know, I know he spent a couple of years um, in junior college and stuff like that. And but everything I found that uh, he's only 22, which isn't too old to me. Um, and you know, he's a little limited in pass protection, and he may struggle to hit the corner and outrun the defense because he's not. He doesn't have like an elite speed or anything like that. And he didn't show too much as a receiver. And but you know, I I see him similar to a guy like. Like C.J. Anderson, he, he sort of reminds me of him, but you know Anderson's a little better as a receiver, obviously. And then another guy I want to hit on, um, and then maybe you could talk to this Evan is David Johnson, who's seems to be getting a lot of uh, a lot of buzz coming out of Northern Iowa. He went to the combine, he he performed really well, but uh, I don't know watching the game tape, especially against you know decent re- defenses like against Iowa. Um, he, he didn't seem to perform all that well. Are you, are you buying the David Johnson, Evan? I mean, I'm, I'm buying him as a role player in the NFL. I don't think that he's going to be an effective running back in the NFL. And I know that the metrics community is very high on him. Um, and I understand why he, you know, had an amazing spark score, uh, in Indy. And I mean, he, he's going to be a factor as a receiving back in the pros, um, but if you're looking at him from a metric standpoint, I would also be curious why he didn't average a higher yards per carry against really weak competition. I think his average yards per carry was 5.4, which sounds good to us. Uh, but, you know, big time backs uh, who come from, uh, you know, worse competition generally do better than that. Uh, so that would be a little bit of a red flag from a uh, from a metric standpoint, and I think that there are all kinds of red flags on his on his game tape when you watch him run. Um, he's six foot one, two hundred twenty four pounds, but he does not run with any power. Um, I mean, he he generates no power. Uh, he is really really stiff through the hips, and I know if you look at his three cone time, you you, you can't you know he's got a good three cone time, but if you watch him play, he he has really very little lateral agility, um, and I mean the the, the maybe the most concerning uh, aspect of of watching him play is that he seems contact averse. Like he doesn't he doesn't like contact. Uh, he will he he doesn't finish his runs. Uh, he doesn't you know 
even make any attempt to run through guys. I, I saw that there were there were times when he he would brace for contact, and there were also times when he would literally turn his back to the defense because yeah. he didn't like want to get somebody up in his face. You know, so look, I, I think that he's got a role in the NFL. I'm not totally sure what it is. Um, but I don't know, if you also look at him from a metric standpoint, his his combine measurables and his weigh-in are almost exactly like Doran Dickerson's, um, who was a, a tight end slash wide receiver coming out of Pittsburgh. And that's, you know, maybe that's a, a sort of role that he can fill. I mean, not that Doran Dickerson has done anything in the NFL, but maybe David Johnson could be what you know, people wanted Doran Dickerson to be, but it just it, it, purely in terms of being a runner, he leaves a lot to be desired. You no, know, that's something we had been talking about. Is as Dennis wasn't very high on him, and he was getting a lot of um, a lot of feedback from saying, "Oh, well, you got to be higher. You got to you got to be you know all these people that are way more impressed with him." And we just we hadn't seen it, so it's kind of nice to have some uh, some backup to to what we're seeing on tape and to what we're seeing. Um, you know, in the stats and whatnot. Yeah, it seems to be no middle ground with, with Johnson. He's either, like, right. inside your top 10 or outside your top 20. And, and, you know, I think he gets what's blocked, you know, and he usually falls forward. And he doesn't leave too many blocked yards on the field, which, which I guess is admirable. But I'm, I've seen him, like, in people's top five, and I'm like, I, I just can't see it. Um, yeah. I see more of like a Marcel Reese player than, you know, a top five running back, that makes especially sense. in this class. Yeah, that makes sense. Marcel Reese is a great comp. Uh, see, I, I do think he leaves yards on the field. You know, I would take it even more negative than what you just did. I mean, wa- watching him run is frustrating, I think. Yeah, it looks like he has some physical tools that should make him a better running back and he should get more because when you see him catch the ball especially and he has the space like he can make plays but like in order to get to that spot and he might be a guy that maybe he lines up more as like a a pass catching running back or lines up out wide and they try and you know find unique ways to get him the ball and get him in space and then he actually becomes something but at this point as a true like three down running back I just don't see it. Um, All right well let's transition a little bit because I want to talk some wide receivers um, I noticed in your top five was one of my favorites, Jalen Strong. Uh, what, what do you see in Strong that you like so much? You know, I think he's a raw player. I think that he's still in the process of developing, uh, but he's really young. He was very productive in college. You know, I, I think that he's definitely rough around the edges, um, and I don't know that he will be an immediate impact player in the NFL, but he's got all the physical ability, and he's been productive, and those – you know, those are things that I'm looking for. Um, you know, when when you watch him play, I think that he, he he's a, a raw player. And, you know, I, I think that, I don't know, it, it's, it, it'll be interesting to see where he goes because I feel like he's a late first or a late first round pick. You know, I think that he's a guy who could end up in a great landing spot like the Baltimore Ravens. Um and, you know, Mark Tressman has a history with big wide receivers, and I think that a landing spot like that could help him. Um, I don't know. I, he's going to go way up or way down based on landing spot uh, because I think that there are some question marks on the game film. But, you know, just the fact that he was so productive and he's, you know, a really, really good athlete, um, you know, those, th- those, are, those are strong indications to me for wide receivers. Yeah, he might be one of those guys that, year one isn't that big of an impact, but three, Mm -hmm. four years down the line could be a real player. Where are you at with Jalen Strong, Dennis? I I think if he had been in like the 2013 draft, I think he could have been the first wide receiver off the board. And need I say more, but Tavon Austin, you know, like, but he's the victim of another deep wide receiver class. You know, it's not quite as great and spectacular last year's at least at the top but you know I, I like what I see from strong um for the most part there's there's a couple things I'll get to that you know really concern me um I love his strong hands he consistently wins the 50 50 jump ball he tracks the ball extremely well nice body control good feel awareness excellent timing and rhythm uh he adjusts nicely to poorly thrown passes and he really excelled at the back shoulder fade now where my concerns are is 
he needs to improve on his burst off the line, and I don't know that that gets better because if you struggle against college DBs and struggle to get off the line, I think it's going to be twice as hard once you get in the pros where they're bigger, stronger, faster, and know how to fluster a receiver. He just lacks that ability to to separate kind of early and – you know that that kind of worries me. I know he's he's faster than than I thought he was because you know it just it, I guess I don't know if it's his separation downfield on like the nine route or the or the go route that made me think he was a little slower than what he was. But when he ran that forty, I, you know I was a little surprised by that. I think as most were, but you know I definitely think he's a um, somebody that could be molded molded into a, a pretty good receiver. You know if he can clean up some of those things in this game. Yeah, it seems like at times he doesn't play with a sense of urgency. Um, you know, whereas you, you look at a guy like Tyler Lockett from Kansas State, and you know he he plays with all kinds of sense of urgency. Jalen Strong, he's a little bit more lackadaisical. Um, I, I don't know if if that'll change in the NFL. He he's so young, was productive, and has such good measurables that I think he's he's going to be a good bet. Um, you know, I, I do question. I think that whether he produces in year one will be entirely tied to landing spot. Yeah, and um, I think one of the comps for strong for me is Keenan Allen, who also came out of Pac-12, uh, also had you know times in college where it didn't look like he was you know trying as hard as he possibly could, and if he ends up in a great situation, could produce right away. But um, you know, if he, oh, I would like to, honestly like to see him to get to a situation where he's got you know, a veteran leader who can kind of help push him a little bit and, um, you know, make him work as hard as he should. That way he can get to a spot where uh, where he can be a, a dynamic player who, you know, he may not be the fastest, but he can use his body, he can turn, um, get the defender on his back and make great catches at the point. Um, and then I noticed uh, in your dynasty ranks you had him over Devontae Parker. Is it – are those two guys similar in your mind or is there is there a bigger gap than uh, the ranking show? You know, I, I would say that they're. I would say that they're pretty similar. Um, I think that Devontae Parker is clearly more advanced uh, than Jalen Strong. Um, I'm, I'm honestly kind of worried about Devontae Parker going to the Browns. Um, and I, 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 I think <laughs> Aren't we all? Like a, I know. I think that there's like a good chance that that'll happen. But you know, the, these rankings will definitely get in, get shaken up when we find out. Uh, you know, where, where these guys are going to play. Uh, I know that Devonte Parker is like the consensus third wide receiver and, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And I think he's a guy that if you put him with a good situation, if you can get him somehow, get him to Minnesota and reunite him with Teddy Bridgewater could mean a lot more where if he ends up in Cleveland or he ends up with Houston or, you know, a situation where the quarterback isn't as impressive, it could be a, it could be a rough for, you know, first couple of years. Where are you at with Parker, Dennis? I mean, I, I like Parker, and, you know, he, he uses his body very well. He routine, he routinely makes the difficult catch. Um, he has very nice skills after the catch. He breaks a lot of tackles for a guy that's as, you know, tall and slender as he is. But, you know, again, it, it's kind of like with Jalen Strong. He needs to clean up his release off the line. I see a lot of wasted movement, and he struggled with separation and bump and run coverage on short and intermediate routes. Now, the thing I will say about Parker is he's fantastic down the field, and I think the deeper he goes, the better he gets. Um, he has consistent hands, and you know he plucks the ball out of the air. And I love how he catches off-thrown passes, and you know he's going to be a quarterback's best friend. Um, and I, I, he's um, he might be all right in Cleveland. I mean. Because he went from Teddy Bridgewater to Will Gardner, and he still did pretty good. So maybe he's quarterback proof. I don't know because he he definitely can make those off thrown catches pretty pretty routine, routinely. Yeah, I, I, I think that there there's a little bit of AJ Green to him. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Especially be... on the downfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hopefully he doesn't have Andy Dalton throwing him the ball. But we'll, we'll... <laughs> <laughs> uh, another guy that I'm cur- I'm curious about a landing spot that I think could make a big difference, especially hopefully he avoids Cleveland as Doriel Green Beckham, who as a wide receiver has all the skills to be, you know, an elite superstar, the best receiver in the class. But because of all the off the field issues, you know, it leaves a lot to, 
a lot uh, scares a lot of owners and scares a lot of GMs. Uh, when you did your rankings for Dorio Green Beckham, is it more off of a uh, you know, what he can be on the field, or do you take some of the off-the-field stuff into his uh, ranking? Um, I think he, I had him seven there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah you know, I don't – the, the off-field stuff will probably push him down in the draft, and one of the best indicators for NFL success is actually where a player is drafted uh, because, you know, oftentimes a guy will keep getting opportunities if he's drafted higher – and that will increase his chances of, you know, capitalizing on that opportunity. Obviously, opportunity is critical uh, for fantasy football. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't put him in, in my top five, even if he lands in a great landing spot, probably, uh, because I don't think that he's going to be a real high draft pick. I mean, I, I think that he has a chance to go late first, um, you know, maybe early second. But he's a big, dominant wide receiver who can score touchdowns. I mean, he's going to score touchdowns in the NFL if the opportunity comes with it. And, um, you know, I don't, it, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where these guys land, man, because I don't know. I mean, I, I can't see a scenario where Doriel Green Beckham jumps into the top five, but, um, I think that he, you know, you start considering him at six. And, you know, I think after that, he's a good value anywhere in the first round in Dynasty, you know, before we know where these guys are going to be playing. Yeah, I know he's been mocked to Kansas City in a lot of a lot of um, mock drafts, and that would be probably the worst situation um, <laughs> unless they're planning on moving on from Alex Smith at any point. But uh, I think the contract he just got says otherwise. Uh, I'm going to let Dennis run a little bit with Sammy Coates because I know he's a big fan and. Um, likes what Sammy Coates could be at the next level. Actually, I hope you don't mind, but I'd rather run with Dorio Green Beckham. Oh, uh, go for it. I mean, I think, you know, Evan said he's don't see him as a top five pick in this year, and, and I agree, but had he not sat out last year, I think he definitely would have been the top, a top five pick and easily the num- number one right receiver in this class. And there is a ton of red flags, and NFL teams will have concerns if – you know, he continues to be a knucklehead and screws the pooch and brings down the organization. You know, all that could happen, but I think his risk definitely – or his reward definitely outweighs um, his risk. Now, he is not the best route runner, even though he can run the full route tree. He has some issues with predictive indicators, and he needs to work on his footwork, meaning if he has to break on a dig route and he often plants the wrong foot, like, if he's breaking left, then he'll plan his left foot instead of his right and vice versa, which, you know, could be an issue, you know, telegraphs it to a savvy defensive back. But, you know, I hear knocks on him like, oh, he's a long strider. He takes a while to get up to top speed and, you know, this and that. But, you know, what's it matter if you're a, a long strider if when the ball's thrown, you just outmuscle your man and you get the ball at your catch point? You know, I still think he's by far – the best receiver in this class. And I hope that just like in 98, when 20 teams passed on Randy Moss, they all sit there and regretted it once Moss, you know, blossomed. And I could see the same type of regret coming from Doriel Green Beckham this year. I think he's just as talented as Mike Evans. He's not as of a finished product, but Evans, Evans was the seventh overall pick last year. So I think Doriel Green Beckham's going to go ham when he gets in the league and, I just can't wait to see him, man. I'm going to take him in every league I can. It might not be this year. I don't know. It just depends on, you know, where he's at, you know, the whole situation. You guys know how that goes. But, you know, I'm definitely more excited about him than any receiver in this class. That is the one nice thing about a guy with size is even in year one, they could, if they're not even if they, you know, not on a polished route runner, they – they have a chance to make an impact on your fantasy team just by scoring touchdowns and being a huge red zone presence. And, and the then, quarterbacks can throw them open. Well, exactly. And I think, uh, I think, well, and I, I wonder how much like Justin Blackman and Josh Gordon's recent, you know, off the field issues make, uh, you know, GMs on draft night think one, you know, think a couple extra minutes about, oh, do we really want to take this guy? You know, he could, we could end up with the next, but then they could also end up with the next Randy Moss. So it's, it's going to be an interesting gamble to see what, what teams jump on that. 
I, I would like to hear Dennis's take on Devin Funchess, um, because th- this is probably the guy I've watched the, the most. Uh, and, well, the first game that I watched was against Utah, and he looks like a, a UDFA in that game. or Utah or Utah State, I can't remember. I think it was Utah. And, I mean, he's he's dogging it, dropping passes. I mean, you know, losing against much smaller, you know, defenders. Um, and then I, I watched a couple other games, and I, I liked him a little bit more. He – the the one of the big concerns that I had about him is that he's six foot five, two hundred and thirty pounds, and I think in four or five games of watching him, I don't think I ever saw him break a tackle. Like he he will go down, you know, at the first hint of contact. Um, but he's big, and you know, I mean, he's he didn't run well at the combine. He did run well at his pro day, um, and he he's big and he's athletic. And I don't know. I I don't I don't know which way I'm going on him. I was real down on him at first, um, but I would like to get Dennis's take on on Funches. I mean, I, I he's a huge target. Obviously, got an amazing wingspan. He's I think he's a great athlete. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen him make defenders look silly by hurdling them or juking them out of their jock straps. He seems to pluck the ball out of the air sometimes. And you know, I see like you, I see them great plays and then you know but one thing that I don't like about him is I think he lacks that my ball mentality and Mm -hmm. to me that's important you know I don't I see him struggle I see smaller corners be able to get up under his pads you know at the line of scrimmage and kind of out muscle him a little bit even though he's so much bigger and he definitely doesn't play to his size and I definitely question his work ethic and could he be Kelvin Benjamin I don't know I, I think Kelvin Benjamin put out a little more effort on plays and he definitely does seem to shy away from contact and mm-hmm. I'll be honest Evan like the Jerry's still kind of out like I could see it either way um I actually really liked him and then I kind of went the opposite when I was like ah man like you know the more I watch this guy the more negative thing things I see and you know I do like how he can climb the ladder and tower he towers over defenders I mean it's just he's he's and in theory, he's great. He's too big for corners and too strong for safeties and too fast for linebackers. But, you know, uh, Jerry's still out on, on him, to be honest with you. Yeah, he, he definitely doesn't have that my ball mentality like, like Kelvin Benjamin did, as a, at least as a rookie. Yeah, and I, I think he's one of those guys that the play is inconsistent, so that you'll see flashes where you go, oh my god, if he's if he does this every time, he could be unstoppable. And then there's other times where you see things and you're like, what are you even doing out there? Like, you know, going half speed. Um, what do you guys think about him as a potential, uh, you know, Saints replacement for Jimmy Graham, where they could kind of line him up over all around the field and 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 line up with Drew Brees as a as a red zone option and a short yardage option and whatnot. I mean, Josh Hill has that spot locked down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. I, I think that's pro- part of the reason they felt it was okay for them to trade Graham because I think they believe. Den- in him. Dennis, I'm so glad you said that, man, because I've been thinking that, and like I, I'm not, I don't want to say it because I know people would just like jump all over me, like you're an idiot, <laughs> you know. But but I, go ahead, sorry. Nah, that that's about it. I mean, Sigmund Bloom uh, threw a stat out there I wasn't aware of and it, and it was Drew Brees's passer rating was the highest when targeting Josh Hill I mean I definitely I don't think the Saints would would leave themselves uncovered like that I I think they believed in Hill and Hill was great coming out of uh college I believe he led the FBC in uh catches or targets or something for tight ends I don't know I I'll be honest, man. I I didn't really. I picked him up on a couple of dynasty teams just because of Jimmy Graham's injury history last year, and I'm licking my chops that I did. But you know, I didn't really focus a whole lot on his game because I didn't think he would have that much of an opportunity. So he's he's a guy I need to go back and and look at. You know, instead of just looking at a box score. Yeah, well, it gives the Saints a lot of cap flexibility and the, the ability to. Um, you know, improve their team elsewhere if they feel like it's not as big of a drop-off as everyone may believe it is. Um, 
Do we want to hit on uh, Nelson Aguilar, another guy that I've been seeing get a lot of buzz? Um, are are you guys buying Nelson Aguilar as a you know as a dynasty prospect that we need to be paying attention to? Yeah, I, I think he's awesome. I mean, I I think he's like Reggie Wayne, or you know, he's he he's so smooth and you know just great route runner. I mean, you know, if you can't get Amari Cooper in the first round, but you can get Nelson Aguilar in the second round, you know, of your dynasty draft, I think that you're you're in fine shape. I think he's a, an awesome player. I think he'll be a year one impact player. Um, I've gotten him, him super late in a couple MFL 10s, um, and, like, I, I like him, like, as a, a sixth or seventh wide receiver. I mean, I think that he's ready to play in the NFL. What about you, Dennis? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think he's the the second best route runner in this draft behind Cooper. Um, it's easy to buy into the myth that oh, all USC receivers are bust at the next level. Well, I guess those people must forget about Keyshawn, give me the damn ball, Johnson, because he was pretty good once upon a time. And I think the jury's still out on uh, oh, I forgot his name, uh, the guy in Jacksonville. Oh, Marquise Lee. Yeah, I was being a smart aleck because people, you know, automatically dismiss him after his rookie year. Right. You know, but you know, he USC really polishes their receivers up. So I'm surprised more haven't been, you know, more successful, but you know, I think Aguilar's a little different because he's very fluid. He adjusts to the ball well. Um he has ankle breaking agility. He has a nice second gear. He's fearless when going over the middle. He's not a big run after the catch guy, but that the only thing I didn't like is sometimes he lets the ball come into his pads, which results in drops or double catches. So I'd like to see him, you know, pluck the ball a little better, but I could definitely see him as a nice slot guy who can line up on the outside on occasion, maybe like an Emmanuel Sanders type deal. And I could see him being an 80, 90 catch guy at the next level. Yeah, I think that's a good comp for him. He's, he's like a slot Z receiver. You know, he's not, he's not your big X, but I think he can be really. I think he's going to be really productive. You know, maybe sixty catches as a rookie. We'll, we'll see where he goes. That could sound stupid after you know, <laughs> terrible team drafts him, but I think he could be that kind of a guy. Sixty to eighty catches as a rookie. Yeah, and he might fall into a great situation depending on where he goes. You know, if he especially maybe a team at the end of the first or, or later in the second will jump on him um, with the depth in this class. And I want to compare like. This class to last year's class, I mean, we're in a, we're in a sweet spot for amazing talented receivers coming out in this draft, but, you know, are, are these two, uh, draft classes comparable for you, or is last year's because of, because of Watkins, because of Beckham, um, you know, a, a definitely an upgrade? To me, last year's was just ridiculous and will probably be the best wide receiver class of all time. I mean, there, there are guys in that class who haven't even, you know, haven't even come close to what they're going to be. Um, you know, Cody Latimer didn't even get on the field. Mm-hmm. You know, Allen Robinson played with a bad quarterback and then fractured his foot. You know, I think these guys are going to be awesome. Um, I, I think that that might go down as the best wide receiver class of all time. Like they'll be doing shows on that in 20 years. They'll be doing like, like ESPN will be doing documentaries on that wide receiver class in 20 years. Um, I think that this wide receiver class is just really good. And what about you, Dennis? Are you are you buying that they're they're pretty close, or or do you think there is a pretty good drop off? I mean, as far as depth, I I think they're kind of similar, but last year was way more top heavy. I mean, Mike Evans is a complete stud. Odell Beckham Jr. Like, who's seen that coming? I don't remember seeing him number one on anybody's draft board. I'm sure somebody might have had him, maybe an LSU fan. or, But like he totally <laughs> exceeded and blew expectations away. And, and luckily I play with that. You know, that, Evan, that's the reason the, the name of our podcast is Angle Pursuit, Angle of Pursuit, because it's kind of how we play fantasy. Like, you know, if we're in like a redraft league and it's like a rotating waiver wire system, you know, we try to get those guys a couple weeks before they blow up because once they blow up, if you're not the top priority or have a bunch of fab bucks, then, you know, you're SOL. So, you know, I picked up Beckham week two because I'm like monitoring him because a guy drafted him in the week one 
you know, frenzy happened. He got dropped or whatever. So I picked him up and where I could, you know, anticipating him coming back week four. And I had no idea, but I, I rode his coattail to, to many championships. Like, I mean, it, it was great, but I, I don't, I don't see this wide receiver class having as many stars. Cause like you said, I mean, I have a huge man crush on Cody Latimer and I can't wait for him to actually get some snaps, some meaningful mm-hmm. snaps. And it seems like with Julius Thomas leaving and Wes Welker, retiring or whatever he's going to do hopefully he hangs up the cleats I'm not sure what he's doing but you know hopefully that opens the door for him and you know I'm really excited about him I own him in several dynasty leagues a couple keeper leagues so you know I'm licking my chops but Evan I want to get your take on a guy that I can't pick I can't decide which way I want to go on him and he's just a, a confusing prospect to me and that's Michigan State's Jeremy Langford uh, just not a big fan of him. You know, I, I think that, I mean, I, I, I watched him and just totally dismissed him. And then he ran fast at the combine. And so everybody said that he had a good combine. But if you look at his other numbers, they're not very good. So he's going to get pumped up, I'm sure, because of the 40 time. Uh, but he's, I think that he's a backup running back in the NFL and, you know, maybe doesn't even have a long career. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like, I don't, I don't like the way that he plays. And I don't, I don't think that he had a good combine, actually. I mean, if you really think about translatable traits, you know, long speed for a running back, you know, just the fact that maybe, maybe they can win an open field foot race every now and again. I mean, when does that really even happen, you know? Right. Yeah, you got to get in the second level first, right? <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> so that that's skipping ahead, you know, a lot of a lot of defenders. But um, yeah, I don't I don't see it at all with Jeremy Langford. Yeah, he seems like a guy who's going to be really impressive in in, sh- in track shoes and um, you know in shorts. But when you actually get him on the field, when it translates to game speed, it's just it's just not there. Um, but you know, and the one thing I will say about that is, is Levy and Bell kind of had some of that stuff coming out of Michigan State also, and and he, uh, I think he outdid what a lot of people thought he might be at the next level. So you you never know with these guys for sure. Right. Um, and then another guy I want to hit on that me and me and Dennis have been kind of confused on is is Devin Smith from Ohio State, and he seems like another guy who's really fast and can take the top off the defense, but. You know his his hands aren't always there. He doesn't always make the you know contested catches. Where are you at with Devin Smith? Um, you know, just because they have last names that are the same, um, <laughs> you know, th- this might seem like an easy one, but you know, I, I think he's got a little Tory Smith to him. Um, I, I also wonder if he can do uh, a little bit more than what we saw at Ohio State. Uh, I mean, I think that he's got he's got really quick feet. Um, and you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, sometimes type guys get typecast as just deep threats. Like I remember Roddy White coming out of UAB. The book on him was that he was, a, you know, a deep threat. And then his his game changed over the course of time. Like he could do more. Um, I've always kind of hoped that Tory Smith would would be like that, and he has not yet. Uh, maybe there will t- come a time in his career where he, he, where he will have to do that because he'll lose some of his long speed. Um, but yeah, right now I think that Devin Smith is, you know, a vertical wide receiver. And I think it's a, a question worth asking whether he is capable of doing more than that. Of course, the fact that he's, you know, 200 pounds or smaller, that's really going to work against his chances of being more than that. Yeah, and that's funny you mentioned Torrey Smith because we were thinking, you know, Baltimore would be a great fit where they have Joe Flacco who has a tremendous deep ball, but, you know, he could get cast into that only a deep threat guy and not be able to show other skills like you were saying. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you know, guys get typecast as being, you know, this sort of a player and, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes with Devin Smith. I don't know that Baltimore wants to kind of get that one-trick pony again. I think they got a taste of a complete receiver in Steve Smith. So I don't really see them trying to go for that same type of 
ability. And I'm not even sure Devin Smith's on Torrey Smith's level as far as, you know, playing center field like that. You know, I, I see him more as I think he could have a, a, a Paul Richardson, you know, even though Richardson got hurt and he started to make a catch here or there. And that could be, you know, I like to say a victim of the system, you know, there in Seattle. But, you know, I'm I'm not really – I mean, this first round talk with Devin Smith, I, I I think that would be a waste of a pick, to be honest with you. I just don't see it. Yeah, it seems like guys like Aguilar and um, would be re- easier to transition right away. Um, or you could even wait and grab Phil Dorsett, grab Tyler Lockett as the draft t- goes along. Um, Dennis, yeah. I'm going to let you take over. Is there any other um, prospects you're itching to talk about? I mean – I just want to, I honestly, I just want to talk running backs, you know, and that's what I find myself just so focused on these running backs because we've been in a running back wasteland for a couple of years now in fantasy. I mean, it got so bad last year that my starting running backs were Matt Asiata and Booby Dixon. Like, so I cannot wait for a, a, the pond to be stocked, you know, full of these running backs. And, you know, there's, there's some guys I, I see that I like and, you know, like, Carlos Williams, I, I kind of like what I see from him. You know, I don't like not saying he's going to be like a great three down back or anything like that, but he's big, he's fast, he's physical, he's hard to stop once the, once the train gets rolling, and he has excellent hands. And I was sitting there, I'm like, man, who does he remind me of? I'm trying to think of a comp, and it just popped in my head. The only comp I could think of because he runs so peculiar and upright is. I thought a Forrest Gump returning kicks for Alabama. <laughs> so, <laughs> I encourage you to watch Carlos Williams, watch a couple cut-ups, and then watch Forrest return some kicks and tell me you don't see it. <laughs> That's fantastic comp. That is that is probably one of the best ones we'll hear all draft season. Hey, if the shoe fits, wear it. But, you know, another guy is Tevin Coleman. I mean – He's an intense runner. He's always moving north-south. South. He's a violent runner. He loves to lower the boom. He's a home run hitter. But them home runs ain't going to be there. The, you know, the fence is deeper in the pros. It, it's, I just don't see it. I, I don't know how his game's going to translate. I, I, I don't know. What, what are, where are you at with Coleman? You know, he's, he, he's a guy who runs with a lot of force, but he doesn't run with actual power. Uh, he doesn't break tackles at all, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Um, he's really, really tight-hipped and, and straight-line-ish, um, but he's got great speed, and he can pass block. Actually, I, I think that he's a, a top-three pass-blocking RB in this draft, um, along with Yeldon and Gurley. Uh, so that will increase his chances of playing early, but... Um, you know, the, the, these guys that don't, you know, really don't have the ability to, to run inside and, you know, against, I don't think that Tevin Coleman has the ability to run inside and like keep the chains moving. So what will happen with guys like that is that, you know, you're, you, you, you feed them carries hoping for home runs, but it'll be, you know, stuff. And then it's, it's second and 10, you know, maybe two yard gain. And then it's third and eight. And, you know, your quarterback's got to make a difficult throw against a defense that knows that the pass is coming. So that, that creates very, very difficult situations, you know, and then, you know, you're, you're still, you're hoping for that home run, but, you know, you, you give it to him again, you know, he gets stuffed, you know, loss of two. I mean, that, that's the kind of RB that he's going to be just entirely, entirely boomer bust. Um, and I know that I mentioned that with Melvin Gordon earlier, but Melvin Gordon, you know, at least shows some ability to, to be a chain moving running back, uh, who will break off four and six yard gains. I don't think that Tevin Coleman shows the ability to be that kind of a back. Um, that said, I think he could be a, a pretty effective, uh, in, in a rotation. Uh, and because he can pass block, that will that will help his chances of playing early. I would love to see him in Detroit, where they need speed at running back. I mean, Joyke Bell like runs four seven, and he's I mean he's got like the fattest ass among uh, <laughs> run, running backs in the NFL. Kim he's Kardashian. Coming off, <laughs> he's coming off. He's coming off. Uh, he's coming off um, 
he's coming off multiple surgeries. He's going on 29. I mean, the end of the road is, is coming soon for Joyt Bell. And then Theo Riddick is just kind of, you know, he, he is what he is. So I think that they need another RB. And Martin Mayhew tried to go for a guy who was kind of similar to Tevin Coleman in Javid Best uh, a few years ago. Javid Best was better uh, east and west. Like, he, he could make a guy miss. Uh, Tevin Coleman, I don't really think, has that ability. Uh, but I think that it could be very attractive for Martin Mayhew. Uh, I think Tevin Coleman could could be very attractive to him. And then, Dennis, I want to hit on another guy I think might fit in that home run hitter type mold, and that's Miami's Duke Johnson. Do, do you guys uh, do you guys see him in that same category, or do you think he's got more uh, more upside and less uh, one trick pony? I don't see I don't see him in that category, but um, yeah, I could definitely see him being a lightning, you know, in a thunder and lightning. I think that would yeah. be an excellent role for him, you know, like a CJ Spiller type role. Um, but you know, as far as Duke Johnson, I think. I think he could be a three down back, to be honest with you. I mean, he's an explosive jitterbug who can cut on the dime and cross over defenders like Allen Iverson used to on the court. And he has deceptive power for his size, and he has that big playability too. I believe he had like seven runs of 50 yards or more. And, you know, I think he can stop and start on an, an elite level, which is a nightmare for defenders to tackle him in the op- open field. And, you know, it's my belief he's the next great running back from the U. You know, the list that included, like, Willis McGahee, uh, Egren James, Frank Gore, and I'm sure I'm missing some, Emmett Smith. You know, maybe not to that level as far as a couple of the names in there. But, you know, I, I think he's he's a good running back, man, and, and I like him. But he does come with an injury history. I think Duke Duke Johnson could be what we hoped Andre Ellington would be. Yeah, well, Frank Gore left Miami with a, a bit of an injury history, and he, he transitioned was able to avoid it at the next level and have a really nice career. Dennis, I'm kind of glad to hear you talk positively of Duke Johnson because I've seen a lot of people compare him to Giovanni Bernard and, you know, some running backs who are clearly, you know, just passing game backs uh, in the pros, and I when I watched him, I saw more than that. I saw a guy who could run inside. I saw a guy who could break tackles. Um, I know that it's kind of cliche because um, they both played at the U, but to me, I mean, he reminded me of an early career Frank Gore. Um, and this was when Frank Gore was a little bit smaller, a little bit lighter on his feet, and was one of the best passing game running backs in the league. Um, we we haven't seen that for a while because throwing to the running back just wasn't a big uh, thing in Greg Roman's offense. But, you know, that's who Frank Gore was for a lot of years. He was, you know, a, 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 he had incredible versatility. Um, so, and I think that Duke Johnson is like that. I mean, he would make impressive catches like down the football field. I mean, he, he's a, an awesome receiver. He might be the best receiving back in in this draft and there are some really good receiving backs in this draft like Jay Ajayi uh, stands out to me and Gurley's really good as well but um, the the question is whether he is like Frank Gore or whether he is like Giovanni Bernard and the difference between those two RBs to me is the ability to run inside and break tackles Um, you know and can you be a, a chain moving running back and that's the question for Duke Johnson, or do you think that he's going to get stuffed or that he doesn't have enough leg drive to, you know, bang out three, four, five-yard runs? Um, and that that's the big question for Duke Johnson. Again, a lot of people that I, I know who are smart seem to not believe that he can do that. When I watched him play, I thought he could. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, and, um, you know, I – I don't know. I really like Duke Johnson personally. Yeah, he seems like he, I don't know. A lot of people, I think, like you were saying, he you know aren't aren't always in uh, and don't believe he can be that three down back. But from what you guys are saying, it sounds like he, you know the potential is definitely there for him to be a to be a three down guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I, I thought he was. I thought he was really slippery, and he had like a nice stiff arm uh, as well. I, I I think he can break tackles, man. Yeah, I think his power is definitely underrated. But you you touched on one of my guys that 
you know, I really, really like. And, you know, Kyle had been keep telling me about him, like, man, you should check out Jay Ajayi, Jay Ajayi. And, you know, I had heard of him, but he was kind of like, you know, down on my list of guys to watch because I try to watch as many as I can. And, and once I did, man, it's just like, wow. And, and yeah. you know, I think that movie War Horse, you know, he's just – God, he, I just – Love everything about him, man, and and I know he's raw, but you know I I said on a podcast before, and Evan, you probably didn't hear it, so I'm going to say it again. But he's a natural split footed runner, and Marshawn Lynch is a split footed runner. Barry Sanders is a split footed runner, and I get excited when I see them guys because in high school I played fullback, you know, kind of a chubby kid. I wasn't fast enough for running back, but coaches, you know, they said, you know, right before contact, go split footed. It helps your balance. It's you know, I compare it to a wrestler sprawling, you know, a takedown defense. And, you know, it works in that way. And, and I was wondering if his background in soccer didn't help him, you know, to be able to have them nice, nice footwork. But, you know, if you watch a, a track star start off, when they first start off, their knees are moving out away from their body. And they eventually bring them in line, like, you know, chugging like a locomotive. And, you know, when I watch Ajayi, I see that. And I, I just I, – I almost – find myself wanting to move him up above Gordon. I mean, is that crazy? No, not at all. Yeah, um, I don't think it's crazy. His ball security is definitely an issue for me, and uh, that's something he'll need to clean up at the next level. But, I mean, if I if the Dallas, if he gets somehow land in Dallas and have that star in his helmet, I mean, he he's going to be a guy that I'm going to target in every league because – um, his, his skills are definitely there. He's got the footwork. He's got the ability to be, you know, useful on all three downs. He's he's definitely on my my short list of favorite guys in this draft. Yeah, I, I love him. Love him. Um, runs with extreme aggressiveness. I mean, like you said, he's 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 a wild runner, and not to the point where he's like Bryce Brown, where you know it's just he's just street balling. I mean. He runs with he runs with incredible aggressiveness, and it, it's still kind of under control. And he's an, an awesome receiver. He's really inconsistent as a pass blocker, but most of these guys are. And like you said, he fumbles, but a bunch of these guys fumble. So um, you know, AP I, I don't know, fumbled. man. He, yep. So did Jamal Charles. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't know, man. I, I love Jay Ajayi, and I wouldn't have anybody – I wouldn't have a problem with anybody ranking him number two among among these RBs. Yeah, and one of the – I think one of the most impressive things is he was able to do it against really good defenses. He did it against a very good Old Miss defense. He did it against uh, – in the bowl game against a really good Arizona defense. So, you know, it's not like he was playing these, you know, lower-level teams at Boise and just destroying them. He was also able to do it against the big boys who have really good defenses. I, I'll tell you guys something fun to do. You know how they say if you uh, watch the Wizard of Oz and Pink Floyd's The Wall and they kind of, you know, go in unison together? Well, watch some, listen to some Pantera and watch Jay Ajayi. <laughs> That's a good time. <laughs> yeah, sp speaking of uh, RBs that are fun to watch, Amir Ab Abdullah is like an amazing football player, I think. I think we both agree um, wholeheartedly with that one. I mean, his ability, like in between the in between cuts and in, to get around linebackers and and get to that next level, is really impressive to me. Now you yeah, talk so about playing with urgency. That that's yeah. what I see with him. Right. Yeah. He and he is so decisive. Like he has no fear, man. Um, he he's small, but he he is not afraid at all. Um, you know, it, it didn't surprise me that he didn't run like a, an awesome forty time, but he crushed every single other drill. Drills that are really translatable uh, to the NFL. You know, just I mean, he's got a little bit of CJ Spiller to him in terms of his lateral ability. Um, oh man, he I mean, I, just in terms of being a football player, he 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 might be my favorite player in in this draft. 
Wow. That's high praise. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I totally agree. People are going to look at his 40 time and they're going to go, oh, yeah, he ran really slow, so he's obviously not a good running back. But when you look at his three cone, and what he, which is more translatable, he's going to be able to get in and out of his cuts and, and to that next level. I mean, that's, that's what you're looking for with a, with a, with potentially a three down back. Now, my favorite thing is his feet move with his eyes. And, you know, that, that's hard for a running back to do, but, you know, I, I'll read you a little bit from my scouting notes, and, and I wrote this in my scouting notes, is what he lacks in size, he makes up for in determination and grit. And as far as my comparisons, I've seen the shake and bake of LaShawn McCoy, but the heart and intensity of Ahmad Bradshaw. Good, good and, comp. And I know he had the fumbleitis. You know, that's the first thing people say when, you know, you're in Amir Abdullah's camp, but... You know, I, I don't know how much was technique and, you know, how much – I don't know if he has weak hands or what, you know. I, I But, you know, I'm confident that, that the guys at the next level can clean that up because I've seen them do it numerous times. Yep, just have him hold the ball a little tighter to his body, and he, it's probably something that I'd be able to cut down on significantly. Was there anyone else who want to hit on tonight, Dennis? I mean, I I could go all night. So I, I mean, <laughs> we could save it for another podcast. I I know we I know you kind of you're pretty fond of Buck Allen. I could just hit that real quick, but you know I like Buck Allen because I like he hits the hole with some good zip, and you know he but he also shows patience and he'll he'll let the play develop and he can generate a few yards after contact. I wouldn't consider him a power runner, but He's a one-cut runner who I think he'd be a nice fit, like an outside zone uh, scheme. Mm. Yeah, I'd like very... to... Go ahead. No, I was just say I'd like to see him in a system kind of like what Arian Foster ran, where he, where it's a, it's his own blocking scheme, and he has to the hole is made for him, and he just does that one cut like you were saying, and he's off. I think he could, uh, you know, in the right situation, could be very, very good in the NFL. Oh, my favorite thing about him is how aggressive he is in pass protection, which, you know, like he, like Evan said about Tevin Coleman, uh, I mean, GMs are going to take notice of that because they want to protect their franchise players. So, Yeah, yeah it helps yeah, keep them. Yeah, yeah to, to, to me, that that's another thing that stuck out about him. I, I, I mentioned Gurley and uh, Yeldon and Tevin Coleman being good in uh, pass pro. Javorius Allen is. Uh, that that was the the thing that stuck out to me most about him. Um, you know, I, I thought that just from a running standpoint, he's you know a backup in the NFL who maybe could be an effective short term starter. Uh, but yeah, I, I hear you on the pass protection for sure. Yeah, nice third down back, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, well, being able to protect on third down is what's going to keep him on the field. So. Especially in his first, you know, first year, a lot of times they have issues staying on when they can't pass protect. Yeah, one one thing though, and you know, this is just kind of taking a step back, is that you know we all agree on these guys, you know, who are good at in pass protection, and that that should be theoretically a translatable skill. But you know, just going back and thinking of running backs who I thought were good in pass protection coming out of the draft, they aren't always good in pass protection, you know, as rookies. Uh, one guy who recently st- sticks out as that was Devontae Freeman. Um, I thought that he was one of the best pass blockers, maybe the best pass blocker uh, coming out last year. Him and Charles Sims uh, were both good pass blockers, and Devontae Freeman was pretty atrocious in pass protection as a rookie. So, um, you know, although I, I totally agree that it should be discussed, uh, it's it sometimes, you know, they, they're just, they're asked to do different things, uh, I think. Uh, so, you know, I, I would, you know, I, I, I try to tread a little cautiously with, with the pass protection stuff, but I certainly, you know, keep an eye on it. Evan, I'm not sure how much film you get to watch and stuff. I tell by talking to you, you watch quite a bit, but I know you're, you know, busy, greasing the wheels over there at Roto World, but I, I'm not sure if you've had the chance to watch um, Alfred Stace, Rasheed Williams yet, but if you haven't, um, you know, if you get some time, it's definitely a guy I would watch. He's a, okay. an, an elusive, explosive runner, and he strings moves together pretty nicely, like some Madden-type moves, and 
in a way, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Le'Veon Bell. I'm, that might be a stretch, but he's a bigger guy like that. But he's got that great, you know, agility, and he, he's just—he's a pretty good guy to watch. I'm not sure where he's going to fall in the draft, or maybe he ends up being an undrafted guy. But definitely a guy to, uh, you know, give a give a little time to and watch because he, he's pretty fun to watch. Interesting. I, I hadn't even honestly, I hadn't even heard of him. So now I'm going to put him on my list, and I'll, I'll definitely check him out. Awesome. All right. Well, as we wrap up tonight, I want to thank uh, Evan Silva for his time. Definitely check out all of his work over at Roto World, and uh, we really appreciate you coming on, Evan. Hey, thanks, guys. It was a lot of fun to just you know talk about just what we've seen from these dudes. I'm, I'm, you guys obviously you know put a lot of time in. That's cool. Um, this was a great convo. Definitely. Well, yeah, we'll hope to have you on closer to the draft. Thank you. All right.